Thank you, Jonathan and Judson, for that beautiful music. Today we're turning to 1 Peter chapter 1 for our text for the preaching this morning. It was 44 years ago, almost to the month, April 1976, a man named Ronald Wayne did something remarkable. And very few people remember Ronald Wayne anymore these days, but it was April 1976 that he co-founded a brand new tech company. Together with two others, there were three co-founders, and they signed the papers. And uh, exciting new times for Ronald Wayne. He received, as one of the three co-founders, a 10% ownership share in this fledgling tech company. The idea uh, behind the company was that they were going to try to make computers that would fit inside of people's houses that people would use in their own homes. Imagine that. And that was the aim. So what happened to Ronald Wayne? Well, 12 days later, he bailed out. He said, I've had enough. He thought it over, and the fact is, Ronald had had some experience with startup companies before, and he had lost some money before, and he took a look at his 10% ownership share, and he analyzed it at face value instead of future value. And he said, probably for me, the best thing is to get out now while it's still worth something. So 12 days after they founded the company, Ronald Wayne showed, uh, sold back his share at $800. Now that might not seem like much, but remember it was 1976. So that's in today's money, that's equivalent to about $3,600. And it's still not a whole lot, but in 12 days of work, I mean 12 days of work, he made $3,600. So at face value at the time, it probably seemed like a good deal. Now I'm going to ask you, what was the name of that company that uh, Ronald Wayne co-founded together with two others in April 1976? Do you know? Anyone here? Apple Computer. Apple Computer. And of course, uh, the question that's on our minds now is, what if he had stuck it out? What if he had held on for 44 years instead of evaluating his ownership share at face value back then, 44 years ago? How much would he be worth today? Well, today, Ronald Wayne, had he held on to that stake in the company, he would be worth over $84 billion. Billion with a B. And that would make him the third wealthiest person in the world right now. Now today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, and Peter's writing to some friends, some Christian people who are going through some serious trials, and it really was a difficult time for them. And Peter's encouraging them to take the long view, so to speak. Don't think about these trials at face value, because if you do, it doesn't seem to be worth very much. Why are we going through this? Why are we suffering these things? Peter says, think about what God's going to do with that trial in the future. Let me lay that out before you, and let me encourage you Take these trials for future value, not at face value. Can we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7? And verse 7 will be our main focus today. Peter writes to these friends and he says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Remember, he's talking about trials. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Can I pause just for a moment and ask you, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been in a season, a period of time where you were going through manifold temptations? It wasn't just one thing that was on your mind. It was many things. 
And just like Job, it, it seems like you can't, you can't solve one problem before another arises. And Peter says, you are in heaviness. He's not sugarcoating it. He's saying, this is difficult for you, but you need to rejoice. And here's why. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We're going through trials today. I know you are. We need to take the big view, the eternal view. What is God doing with that time of trial? What will he do in the future? And you can see uh, on the screen there a photo of Ronald Wayne back in 1976. You know, if only, if only he had taken that ownership stake at future value, where would he be today? Let's take Peter's text here and the Holy Spirit's message for us, and let's look at two points this morning, two main points today. First of all, the purifying of our faith, <clears throat> and second, the proving of our faith. Point number one, the purifying of our faith. Point number two, the proving of our faith. And those are the two thoughts that we have today, taken from Peter's message for his friends, and we'll make some applications, and then we'll conclude. First of all, the purifying of your faith. Now, Peter's comparing the trial of faith to gold, and he's saying that gold is something that perishes. It goes away. After a while, you can't hold on to it. You're going to leave it here on earth with you. But gold is a precious substance, and people take care of it, and they purify it to make it even more precious. And if people would do that with a material substance such as gold that's so valuable, would not God do that with his children? Would he not take them through a process of purifying to make them even more Christ-like? And that's exactly what God does with us. He purifies us through the trial of faith. Now this makes me think of the conclusion of the book. And as Peter wraps up this book in chapter 5, he says, God, the God of all grace, will take this trial that you're suffering and he will make you perfect through it. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. He's purifying us in our experience of trial. Now think about the idea of purity. Purity is essentially singleness. It's just one thing. If you're talking about pure water, all you have is water and water only. That water's been taken through, a pro taken through a process of purifying until only water remains. If we're talking about gold and we say it's pure gold, well, the same is true. That gold, gold has been taken through a process of purging and purifying, probably more than one step. And the dross and the impurities are removed until all you have left is gold. And the same is true with the trial of our faith. God takes us through multiple trials in our lives. And step by step, he removes the impurity, he removes the self, until only Christ remains. We started off this year talking about identity truths. Maybe you can see these banners here, and it, it, it just reminds you. We've been talking about these truths, identity truths, even though it's hard to remember. What happened before... The whole coronavirus situation came up and everything changed. We're still thinking about that. What is it that reveals Christ in the Christian? It is the process of trying, the trial of faith. I don't know if you've ever gone through a very difficult day, and at the end of the day you've said, that was so difficult, that day took a lot out of me. 
That's really the idea. That's exactly the process of a trial of faith. It takes a lot of you out of you. The self-centeredness, the worry, the anger, the bitterness, the reaction. God takes you through a process of purifying to take that all out until more and more it's only Christ. I think about the uh, last phrase in this verse. Verse 7, Peter says, We might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Many Bible scholars think about that phrase as referring to end time events at a time when we're united with Christ and all that he's done in our lives is made obvious. And I don't know that that's wrong, but think about that word appearing. It's really the word revelation, revealing. And through the process of trials, Christ is being revealed in us to the world around us. I think it's fair to compare our text in chapter 1 with another text in chapter 4. Later on at the conclusion of the book, Peter's writing similar thoughts. And chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. No, this is the normal process of Christ-likeness. Verse 13, chapter 4, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. It is Christ who is revealed in us when God takes us through a process of trial. Our self is removed. God's glory, the glory of Christ, is revealed to those around. We think of people who we've read about, Corey Ten Boom, going through a process of trial in her life, and how God's glory was manifest through that trial as she chose to follow him. Somebody like Fanny Crosby had a trial that was with her for life, and at the conclusion of her life, she said, I would not have traded it for anything. Look at the great good that God has brought out of this. I think about someone like Harlan Popov. Maybe you've read his his uh, story, Tortured for Christ, and how he was tortured and abused for so long in communist prisons. And he said at the end of that experience, though it was uh, completely draining on his physical and emotional strength, he said, I would not have traded that for anything because that experience of that torture and abuse and suffering, that was when I knew that Christ was most real. I'm quoting from his book. He said, I received new strength Though my body was wasted away to nothing, tears of joy ran down my face. Here, in the communist prison, alone and with nothing, I had everything. I had Christ. Stripped of everything without any worldly distractions, I found a deep and beautiful communion with God. Joy and peace flooded my soul. My body ached with starvation, but my spirit has never been closer to God. Lying starved, alone, and too weak to move, I felt I could reach out to God and be taken in His arms. I was freer in that cell than I ever was on the outside. And again, we're talking about point number one here, the purifying of our faith, the trying of our faith. That is the process that God takes us through. 
in order to make Christ more real to us. What would you think about the athlete who says, I want to be the best in the world, but I never want to exercise? I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat potato chips, and one of these days I'm going to be the best. You wouldn't think much of that. What would you think about the musician who says, I'm preparing for a recital and I want to succeed, but I'm not going to practice? Instant coffee, instant tea, instant piano, that's for me. It doesn't work that way, does it? Not in athletics, not in music performance, and definitely not in the Christian life. I want to display Christ-likeness to those around me. The trying of your faith is what makes that happen. So the purifying of our faith, number one, and then point number two, the value of a trial. What is it that, uh, that Peter says makes this so valuable? Peter's pointing out, he's saying, Christian people, if you got a choice, if you got to choose between gold and a trial of faith, you should choose the trial of faith. And listen, that's not spiritual hyperbole. It's not just poetry. He's saying that's really the choice you should make. Gold passes away. You should choose the trial of faith. Why is that, Peter? First of all, because it purifies us, it makes Christ's identity our very own, and second, because it proves our faith. So what's the difference between purifying and proving? Allow me to point out uh, just some observation about the words that are used in this text. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, at the end of that verse, Peter says, you are in manifold temptations. And the word temptations here is a general word that describes trying times, a temptation or a trial something that you're going through, and you see the word temptations there in the text. And then in verse 7, the trial of your faith, trial is a different word. Uh, he talks about it will be tried with fire. And that's the idea of proving something, testing something in order to prove its quality. It's like the athlete who runs up to his coach and he says, Coach, I'm really fast. I really am. Put me on the team. And the coach says, Well, prove it. I've got a stopwatch right here. Go run a quarter mile for me. And he goes and runs. The coach times him and he says, you're right. You are fast. You ran a trial. I timed you. You proved it. That's the idea right here in this verse, that God is bringing us through a trial, not just to cause us pain and suffering, and more than that, not just to take our selfishness out of us, but to prove that he is all who he says he is. The trial of faith is the situation in the Christian's life when God proves himself to that believer and to the world around. The proving of our faith, the testing of our faith is going to prove that God's word is true. I think about faith like this. Faith is simply acting as if God is keeping his word. And I know different people have different descriptions of faith and definitions for faith, and that's fine. But that, I think, is a helpful way to think about it. Faith is just acting as if God is keeping his word. And when we act that way, God does keep his word, and he proves his godness to the world around. His greatness, his graciousness, his strength to everybody who's watching, ourselves included. God looked down from heaven and he saw his servant Job. And he spoke to Satan and he said, Have you considered my servant Job? Now watch this. And it's true that Job had faith in God, but have you ever considered God had faith in Job? 
And Job's trial was exactly what God used to demonstrate his godness to the spiritual world. Think about the Apostle Paul going through a severe trial in his life. He said, I prayed over and over. Three times I prayed, God, remove this testing from me. And God said, the testing stays because my strength is proved strong in weakness. And the Apostle Paul said, that makes a lot of sense. I will glory in my infirmities because that's when the power of Christ will rest upon me. Christ proves his identity through us to the world around in the trial of faith. So often Christian people think about a trial of faith kind of like a speed bump in the road. We think that that's wrong. The trial should not be happening. We should not be going through these difficult experiences. And as soon as we begin to pray about the trial, the whole content of our prayer is, God, take it away. This is wrong. Help me to get past this speed bump to when everything was smooth. God, help me to get back to the successful and blessed Christian life. What if God is saying to us the trial is the successful and blessed Christian life? And you're going to stay right there. Now tell me, why would we want to leave? The trial of faith is where we know God's presence the best. The trial of faith is where we turn to prayer the most. The trial of faith is when we are truly humble. We don't have to convince ourselves to be humble. We know that we're dependent upon God. Why would we want to leave a place like that? But too often our prayer is just God, bring it to an end. God, get rid of the trial. And God is saying, no, I am showing people something about me. The trial is the way that happens. Maybe you remember the story of uh, Charles Blondine. Now I chuckle about this because I was listening to Pastor Van Gelderen preach on Sunday morning and he gave the exact same illustration. So I'm afraid I'm plagiarizing a little bit here. Uh, in my defense, it was already in my notes. I was going to tell the story, but uh, uh, Pastor gave the illustration um, giving a gospel message. And I'll give a similar illustration, not so much oriented toward gospel truth, but uh, I guess it's gospel truth still, isn't it? We need to depend upon the Lord. But here's the story. Uh, this man, Charles Blondine, he was a tightrope walker. He, he had set up a tightrope across the Niagara Falls years ago, and he walked back and forth. He performed stunts. He drew crowds. Just multitudes of people flocked to see him. And uh, as he was performing, uh, uh, the story goes like this. One day, he spoke to the multitudes gathered around to observe, and he said, how many of you believe that I could carry a man across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, holding him on my back? And the crowd was cheering, yeah, Blondine, you can do it. How many of you believe I could do that today, right now? Yeah, Blondine. Which one of you wants to be the first? Not me. Somebody else could do that. And I guess the story is that uh, Blondine had to actually convince his manager to allow him to, to carry him across on his back, across on the tightrope, just to prove his skill. Nobody else wanted to do it, and so he dragged him into it. I would say he dragged him into it kicking and screaming, right? But I am sure that his manager was not doing any kicking or any screaming. 
as they walked across the tightrope. And, and they did. They performed the trial. Now, are you following where this illustration is going? Blondine said, I can do this. Do you believe I can do this? Everybody, yeah. Who wants to do it? Not me. He wants to. You know, when the teacher calls on you for a response in class, I know how this goes. Everyone kind of uh, keeps their hands down. They don't try to adjust their hair or anything, just for fear. So, you know, the teacher might call on me right now. Well, to try to bring the, the, the application across, here we are. It's so easy to say amen to a truth like this, sitting in our comfortable living room with our bedroom slippers on and, you know, just watching the live stream. We say, amen, that's right, God can take care of you. And uh, God will bring you through the trial. Amen, I believe that, singing these songs. Bold, we should be bold and unashamed. Amen. Now, which one of you wants to prove it? Oh. Oh, I don't want to prove it. I want things to be comfortable and easy and predictable. I believe that God will uh, supply all my need according to his riches in Christ. Are you prepared to go through want to prove that? No. Oh, we believe God can do it. We believe God's grace is sufficient when it's just words on paper. But when God looks down from heaven and says, who wants to volunteer? to demonstrate my godness to the world around. We'd rather not. Maybe somebody else could do that. The proving of our faith, our second point here again, trials of faith, is, is not only the method whereby God takes away the impurities out of our lives and he reveals the identity of Christ through us. This is the method that God uses to prove that he is who he says he is. The three Hebrew friends, they saw the Son of God. Where? Outside of the furnace, in the furnace. And God proved himself there. Now in conclusion, as we move to the end of this uh, message, maybe a surprising end to the story. Do you remember Ronald Wayne, the gentleman I told you about a few minutes ago? He had a part in the founding of Apple Computer. And he sold his shares for $800. Well, as time went on, obviously, it became obvious to the world that Apple Computer was not going to be a failure. It was going to be a success. And people asked Mr. Wayne in the intervening years, even as recently as just a couple of years ago, news reporters interviewed him and asked him, do you ever regret this? I mean, you could be worth billions now. Don't you look back and regret selling those shares? Surprisingly and consistently, he's always said, no, I do not regret it. I absolutely do not regret it. He says, working with those other two men, by the way, those other two men, were Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. He said working with those other two men was like working with a whirlwind. He said it was like having a tiger by the tail. He said, his words, not mine, if you had to choose between Steve Jobs and an ice cube, you would cozy up to the ice cube for warmth. He said, if I had stayed in that company, I would now be the wealthiest man in the cemetery. It would have killed me. I do not regret selling the shares. And as it turns out, maybe this man knows something that Christian people struggle with. He knows that there are some things in life more valuable than gold. In this text, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it's as if Peter sets up a great eternal scale for us, a balance. 
And on one side, Peter places in gold. It's weighty, and it's shiny, and it's valuable. And he puts the gold in this side of the scale. And on the other side of the scale, he puts the trial of faith. And he says, Christian people, compare those two. The gold, which keeps you comfortable and successful, and the trial of faith, which makes you Christ-like. And Peter says, Christian people will choose the trial of faith every single time. Because when you step in that side of the scale, Christ steps in with you. And that's far more valuable than gold. I don't have everything figured out about church ministry, but I have observed this. People carry trials. People carry burdens. And they're unseen. And I may not know. And people might have a smile on their face and a pleasant attitude. But they have these unseen burdens. And it's heavy. It's a time of heaviness. And I'm just encouraging you this morning, instead of immediately reacting to the trial and praying, God, let me out. Make it stop. Recognize the value that's there. The trial of your faith is better than gold because it lasts eternally, because it reveals Christ, and because it proves God's greatness. Now let's take a moment for prayer. I'll encourage you just where you're at, just to bow your head, close your eyes, in a quiet moment, in a spirit, an attitude of prayer. Think about the trial that God's allowed you to go through right at this time. Could be a period of manifold temptations, as Peter says, maybe just a whole lot of things, all together, all at once. Have you taken time to express praise and thanks to God for that trial? I don't mean thanking God in spite of the trial. I mean thank God for the trial. Have you seen the full value of it? Have you seen what God's going to do in it? And that's what I'd encourage you to do right now as we close in prayer. Pray and thank God for the trial. Choose to believe what he says is true, it's far more valuable even than a stack of gold. And just tell God you believe that and thank him for all he's doing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words and the scripture where we find so much challenge and encouragement. We thank you in particular for the, the point on trials of faith being so valuable. Even compared to gold, we should choose a trial over gold. Thank you for the Christ-likeness that you bring through us. Thank you for how you prove yourself to be great through the trial of faith. And Lord, would you bless each one who's uh, listening at this time and bring about your full purpose in their lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.